Hi everyone, I'm Kate Klein from TeachStone, and welcome to the Teaching with Class podcast. Let's take a moment to consider this. What do you think would be the best way to find out about the quality of the interactions happening in your classroom each day? Well, aside from following you and your students around all day, the most typical way of assessing what's happening in classrooms is by observing them. The Classroom Assessment Scoring System, or CLASS, is a framework that is used in this way. Perhaps you've heard about class observations and you're wondering what it will be like having the class observer come to your classroom. Maybe you might even be a little nervous thinking about how you can prepare for a successful observation. Well, have no fear because Marnetta Larimer is joining us today to help us learn about what to expect during a class observation. Marnetta has many years of experience in the early childhood field as a classroom teacher, family child care provider, program director, instructional coach, training facilitator, and so much more. As an experienced class observer, Marnetta is here to give us the inside scoop. So let's get started. Well, welcome to the Teaching with Class podcast, Marnetta. I'm really glad you're here with me today. I am glad too. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you because I know you have a lot of wisdom to share as an observer, as a coach, as a professional that you are to guide us through understanding what a class observation is all about, what to expect and uh, what if things go wrong and all of that. So we're going to dive into that together. That it's going to be so, a really good session. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So let's put this into the the broader context because there may be some people listening who don't really know about class or they're just beginning to learn about what the class tool is. So let's just look at it from really the big picture level that all classrooms, right, learning environments provide opportunities for children to learn. And it's in the context of these interactions with their teacher that this learning happens, whether it's an infant classroom, a toddler, pre-K, kindergarten, all the way up through 12th grade, interactions are happening in classrooms. And we want children to get the most out of those interactions so that they get the most out of that educational experience. And the class is a way of describing what high quality teacher child or educator student interactions look like. Those interactions that have the greatest impact on learning outcomes. And that's really what we're all about, right? In classrooms. Mm -hmm. So a class observation is a way of measuring those high quality interactions and being able to describe what we see happening in classrooms so that we can look at in the long run how to support teacher growth. We have to first understand what it is we're looking for, know what it is that we saw, and then be able to support teachers to grow, do what they're doing even better or more often. So a class observation allows us to do that. Any thoughts about that before we dive into talking about what it's all about? No, I think if you don't know what class is, that kind of sets the stage for us, right? So we know that we're looking at these interactions in the classroom, and then it takes us to the next step, right, of what we're going to talk about. Yeah. So, okay. So let's just jump right in there then. What is a class observation? 
that was a really big question, Kate. (laughs) So a class observation, like any observation, is an opportunity for us to see those interactions in the classroom happening, right? There are these behaviors that teachers exhibit naturally, right? I mean, we literally just take class language and tie it to those inter- those behaviors in the classroom. So we go into the classroom to assess the quality of those interactions. And like you said, use it in different ways, whether it be for professional development, to write for coaching, for higher stakes, like QRIS, different yeah. things. So for lots of different reasons. But I think the first thing that I want to say is that don't think of it as this thing that's happening, right? Remember that this is your classroom. And we are guests in your classroom, (laughs) right? This isn't about, you know, being punitive or judgy or anything like that. We literally just want to see you exist and do the wonderful things that you're doing in the classroom. Take note of those things, right? And help you to do it even more, you know, across more times of the day with more children. I mean, just elevate those practices in the classroom. Okay. So you're coming in to my classroom. And let's just say, because I was a teacher for many years. So you're coming into my classroom kind of as a a fly on the wall. Absolutely. To to see everything that's going on. So when you come in, how long are you going to be there? What do you do while you're there? What should I expect to have happen? I love it. So I'm now I'm going to walk you directly through what it would look like. So I'm going to arrive at the site. Depending on where I'm at, I'm going to be masked, right? Depending on what the protocols are, because we are still dealing with this pandemic. Either you'll know I'm coming or you won't. It depends on your program and what their protocols are. So you may not be expecting a visit from me. Okay. But you may be expecting a visit from me. But if you are expecting me, it's business as usual. We're not doing anything new, right? And we'll talk more about that later because I really want to okay. dig in <laughs> to okay. what some things to support, you know, those observations. Usually I'm fun size, Kate. So people like to like children like to play with me. <laughs> so I mean, in order for me to observe in a classroom, I have to be and to be invisible. I sometimes I don't want to be off putting, but I, I want to be unavailable and like disconnected. So in order for me to gather objective data, you know, I'm not going to be smiling. Right. Okay. I don't want to do anything that's going to persuade or shift an observation or invite relate like interactions with myself. So in that invisibility, that observer might be very removed. And so you should be understand that it's nothing personal. It's about, you know, removing ourselves and making sure we are just that fly on the wall, the wallpaper, the door, not like we're just invisible and removed from the situation so that we can gather the data that we need. Okay. So if I see a very kind of straight face without a lot of smiling. I don't need to worry or take it personally that I'm doing something wrong. You're just trying to do your job to not be disruptive to what goes on in my classroom every day. Okay. Absolutely. But just think if you were like doing something and I laughed, you're going to continue to do those things or children are going to, and that's going to shift what would have normally happened. So I'm not going to do anything that's going to interrupt the learning processes. Right. Right. Okay. So then what do you do? Do you just stand around or what do you do while you're (laughs) doing your observation? How long does it last? So while you're doing what you're doing, which is teaching children, right? Expanding their knowledge base. I'm going where the action is. So I'm going to be invisible, but as close as I can be to hear what's happening, to see what children are doing, to be able to note what they are playing with, right? What's being said, what those interactions actually are. So far enough away to be invisible, but close enough to where I can gather that data. We will do it for four cycles. Well, and again, it depends on the purpose because sometimes if it's a coaching session, it might be one cycle. If it's Head Start, it might just be 
two cycles, but normally it's four cycles of 20 minutes. So for 20 minutes, I'm going to observe and gather that information, take anecdotal notes of what was said and what was done. And then I'm either, I usually go to a corner. I find leaving the classroom to be disruptive to Mm -hmm. what's happening. So I usually, in my introductions, tell you, hey, I'm going to code for 20 minutes and then I I'm going to watch the classroom for 20 minutes, code for 10 minutes. And when I code, my back will be to you. And that's how you'll know that I'm off. Mm-hmm. Some teachers want you to leave. But I, you know, again, because they think of it as a break. <laughs> but you're doing <laughs> you're doing this stuff all the time, you know, right. and these are natural behaviors. So you don't really need a break from it, you know, because, again, I'm not trying to catch you doing anything. These are things that you're just doing already. But it's less disruptive if I just find a place in the room to code for those 10 minutes with the children. It's less I definitely would not want you coming and going out of my classroom in and out, in and out, in and out, like eight times in order to get that done. So I, I can see that would be really helpful. You're just kind of remove yourself from observing for a few minutes. And then, and then what do you do during that time? So during that 10 minutes, I'm coding. So I'm okay. going through my manual. I'm looking at the behaviors you exhibited by dimension right? Looking at the quality, the depth, the duration, the frequency of those behaviors and assigning it a code based off of what the tool is designed to determine. So, you know, table 2.1, if if you've never been an observer, you have no idea what, but if you are, you know exactly what I'm talking about. (laughs) And then it's taking that data and determining where you fall in relation to that table. I mean, I do that for each of the 10 dimensions. Or four dimensions or, you know, depending on the tool. (laughs) Ah, right. Okay. Because it depends on which age group exactly what you're looking for. So you're looking for developmentally appropriate things then depending on the age group that I'm working with. Absolutely. So if we were talking about the infant tool, infants need lots of touching, caressing, handling, right? Like it's it's an emotional, right? They're making emotional connections. So... Mm -hmm. I would be looking to see how often were they held, touched, comforted, right? Are we respecting them by using their names? Are mm-hmm. we walking over children, right? Are we picking up the cues that they're putting down? And if we do, mm-hmm. how do we respond to them? And are they soothed by those responses? In pre-K, it's some of the same things, right? But it just looks different for a pre-K classroom because right. yeah. they still need comfort, but they I might <laughs> they might be weepy. And if they are weepy, do you tell them, hey, you're too big for that, right? Or mm, is it, that's... yeah, talk to me about what's going on. How can I support you? And right, how do you help them through, first of all, acknowledging their feelings, but then providing them that comfort so that they can move forward as well. So yes, yeah, so just depending on the age, those mm-hmm. are some of the type of behaviors that we're looking for, those relational behaviors that help children to learn, feel safe in the classroom and be able to thrive. Okay, so what if, I'm not the only one. What if I have a team of people? Who are you looking at while you're in there? So again, it just depends on the purpose of the observation. If it, okay. if I was coming in as a class observer from Teachstone, we're looking at an environment. We're looking at the average experience of the children in the classroom. So if you have a co-teacher, both of you are responsible for what's happening in that classroom. You both have mm-hmm. equal, equal buy-in to the children's okay. experience. Right now, if in one of those cycles, my co-teacher is just sweeping and cleaning up, those behaviors are way less weighted in that observation because she's not interacting with children. 
right? Mm -hmm. So the onus would be more on me because I have these children. I'm doing all of these things and she's doing more managerial stuff. But if we're taking turns doing small groups, both of those interactions are weighted in part of that score that we've received. So it's a classroom score and not a teacher score. Everybody matters in the, in the adults. Okay. It's kind of like what they're doing at that time with how many children and things like that. Okay. So, but what about the kids? Are we just looking at teachers? I mean, kids do all kinds of stuff. (laughs) They do. But that's the thing. So that's why it has to be business as usual. Because when you change it up, you're only going to impact that observation. You're going to cause yourself more barriers (laughs) than success in the classroom. We expect four-year-olds to do four-year-old things. We expect that, you know, things are going to happen, but it's about how you handle those things that happen, right? People are going to spill milk. How you handle them spilling milk? right? People are going to throw up, right? How you handle that situation. People, children are going to fight, but it's about how you handle it, right? How do you help them to see each other's perspectives, minimize what's happening, right? And help them through working through those processes. So we don't expect perfection. Perfection is Mm. not it. (laughs) We expect those behaviors to happen. And it's just about how you show up to those situations. We're looking at teacher behaviors. We're looking at how children interact with each other and with their teacher. And the teacher, you know, let's say I'm smiling, right? And I'm just talking and I'm like, I love all of you. As an observer, I'm going to look to see how that impacted the students and how the students responded to that statement. Because that's what tells me how effective that interaction was. So it's not just the checking off of boxes of teacher behaviors, It's about how the children respond to those behaviors that really tell us how effective they are. This summer, join Teach Tone's free event for teachers and instructional coaches to help you get energized for back to school. You'll learn how to support meaningful interactions in your classroom, learn about enhancements to the class tool, and take away tactical tips you can start using today. Join us August 18th from 12 to 5 p.m. Eastern. Register now to attend live and get access to recordings for three months. Visit teachstone.com to get registered today. See you there. So if they're comfortable coming, like sitting near me, or if they say nice things to me back or to each other, that tells you something in terms of the quality of our, of our relationship or if they just stare at you, stare, if I say, oh, I'm so glad you're here today and the child doesn't smile or anything like that, then that would tell you something different about the, the comfort that that child has in our relationship. Absolutely. So, and I love um, that example. And earlier you were talking about all the adults. So I've been in classrooms where I might be with a co-teacher and the classroom is fine, right? They're functioning. Mm-hmm. But then the lead teacher comes in and there's a shift of energy. And it tells me where those relationships are, where, (laughs) right, where the children feel the most comfort and who they lean to. And Mm -hmm. in those situations, it's about how do we make sure that that happens across all of the adults in the environment? Right. Right. Yes. So children have really as many opportunities to connect and learn from all the adults in the classroom not just their favorite one. Well, and it it allows you to be off or be gone and the world not fall apart and that doesn't have to start over, right? Yeah. That's what some of my coaching is just getting them to understand that if you guys do it together, then if one of you guys are missing, the world doesn't end. They still have a person 
that mm-hmm. can carry them through, that they feel safe with, that they feel comfortable with. And there's less problems in the classroom in right. that absence. So how should my team and I prepare? Let's just say we know you're coming. We've been told right. in the next two weeks sometime, we're going to have a class observation. We don't know exactly when, but we're ready. How do we make sure that we're prepared for the observation visit? There's nothing to, pre- like, I don't even know how to answer that. <laughs> I mean, there's really? nothing to prepare. Well, there's really nothing to, pre- to prepare for. <laughs> but I want to have like the best lessons ever. You know, I want to make sure that the day goes perfectly and, you know, <laughs> I put on a good perfectly. show. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, is you can only do that show for like a couple cycles and then like the real things come out. Right. Uh, uh, because okay. again, you're looking at children's behaviors and children say things like, we get to play with that today. or we don't usually do this and that tells us that this isn't a normal routine for them right so don't change anything up because again they tell on you and it just it impacts your scores based off of their responses but also their inability you've changed their routine and you've worked Mm. really hard in that routine and once you shift it that's when you get into behavior management issues they need that routine and if you change it up on them it's going to be very challenging for them and then you're going to have an observation that you're not going to be pleased with the results in mm. okay so what i hear you saying is that don't do anything special to prepare for that one day but what i'm thinking is if i feel nervous like i better change what i'm doing so that it's really great when the observer shows up then maybe that's giving me a clue of things I should be thinking about anyway, that I should be right. doing differently on a daily basis, not just like when you every day, every day. Because if you if you think about it and think about habit and how habits are formed, the more we do it, the more we flex that muscle, right, and massage it, the bigger, the firmer, the better it is. And so you definitely want to have those types of interactions and focus on those types of interactions every day. So that way you keep building on them across the day, right? And it becomes second nature and you don't think about them and they're authentic. And you can tell that authenticity in an observation, right? That genuine care, that genuine questioning that you're giving, right? Because if you're all of a sudden doing like this rattling of higher order thinking questions and, you know, I talk with you afterwards and you're like, they never answer these questions. That tells me they're not used to having those questions asked Mm -hmm. of them, right? Whereas if I'm doing it all the time, they get used to answering and responding and it becomes a natural part of their day. So you have to massage that muscle. You have to, right, do all those things every day in order to be good or effective um, in your class observations. Right. Because as a caring teacher, I really want every day to be the best day possible for the students in my classroom. So they get the most out of every day, not just the two hours that you might be in my classroom or something like that. It doesn't seem fair, right? To like make them wait (laughs) for the good stuff for the observer to show up. But it's not even just about class operations, right? These behaviors are beyond class, right? Mm -hmm. Research says this is how children learn and how they learn best. Like it is the foundation, those relationships, those interactions drive their success. And so it's beyond just class. It's going to show up in all of your observations or all of your visits in the classroom. So if you think of it outside of just it being an observation and this other thing you have to do, it really is best practices. Okay. So it's not a test I'm preparing for. It's really everyday life. Absolutely. Okay. So 
in everyday life, crazy things happen. <laughs> so, like, I know in my classroom, I've had things like, like people throw up or children fall down and bust their lip open and there's blood everywhere. I mean, crazy things happen. What do I do if that happens while you're in my room? Just what you would normally do, right? So we're not going to freak out. Accidents happen. We have to remember, you know, part of the child development is helping them to understand and deal with things that happen, right? Mm -hmm. So we want to model that process anyway. Um, So that's exactly what you would do. You know, we're not going to minimize the behavior. If he's busted his lip, he's hurt. We're going to empathize, right? We're going to support. We're going to clean up. We're going to do whatever. But I can have some regard and say, hey, so-and-so, can you get me a wet towel, right? Like, so I can still <laughs> right. exhibit some class behaviors while dealing with this emergency that's happening okay. in front of me. Um, so you just keep your head, right? Like things can happen. But it's we just want to remember that we are, yes, we're modeling those behaviors for the children, but it's not the end all. Because what I'm going to see is, okay, this thing happened. Oh, look, there's some, you know, regard that we got children gathering X, Y, Z. She was sensitive in her response, right? She saw what happened, right? She quickly attended to it. There's all of these things that are happening in that, that are still beautiful things that we would right. put in that out so what about a situation that's not quite so severe, like some sort of emergency, but just sort of like daily life with a child who takes a little bit of extra support, like maybe they are aggressive or developmentally at a different level than the rest of my class. And they do take some extra time and attention, or they maybe, you know, really hurt somebody or they throw a chair across the room or something crazy like that happens. What do I do then? Yeah. I mean, it's scary, right? Cause yeah. you have a whole class that you're really thinking about. And in the moment you want to react in this, you know, really big way that that fight or flight, right. I've got to protect, but again, you know, you know, your children better than anybody. <laughs> um, mm. Right. When I come, I don't know them. And I don't want to know them because I don't want to be biased in that okay. observation, right? So I don't want to know anybody's background because I don't want anything to hinder where I land as far as the score. But your attention to that individual, the plans that you make for that individual, you can still, if you have to spend time with that individual let's say for 20, 30 minutes, because they need some, and I'm going to say banking time, because banking time is like the best thing ever. Some banking time, some time with that child individually, because you need to cool down with them and do right some things to focus their attention so that they're less heated. You can start little fires with your other children, right? And get them involved in other things while you handle this other thing that needs most of your attention. So children don't have to sit around and wait for you. But mm, okay. they are still, yeah, they can still be busy. They can still be learning, whether it be self-directly or, right? And I can still check in from afar. I can say, hey, I see you building that over there, right? And I can still be focused in helping and calming this child as well. But again, the fact that there is this individualization that's happening is also part of this tool, mm, right? Okay. So that individual support is a good thing that okay. you provided. Okay, so it isn't about that something bad happens. It's about what I do to manage the situation. And am Absolutely. I being proactive to know what other things can happen going, what other things might happen to make the rest of what's going on smooth as possible while I, while I situ- handle this situation? Absolutely. Okay. So what about 
what happens after. You're in my room for a little while, you observe and take notes, and then you assign a score, and then you do that repeated number of times, and then what? When you're all done, what happens? It just depends. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? If there, I wish I could answer it. It's just like, uh, you know, yeah. but it just depends on the program. So sometimes okay. I say thank you and I walk away, right? Because that's my job. I'm not allowed to tell you anything. Sometimes because the your organization wants to filter that information or use that information in a different way okay. than just to coach you. If I'm supposed to coach you, I'd go away. I'd probably take 30 minutes to an hour to write up a report. You know, look at those strengths, those great things that are happening, some areas of improvement, and then we can come together. We'll talk these things out and then come up with a plan on how we can get more of those strengths into the classroom. And then on right when you're thinking about higher stakes like QRIS or whatever, it just, again, depends on the system. So it might be a mixture of both where the organization is using the data to drive their PD mm-hmm. in a very specific way, but also reports out to the QRS and that that becomes like an organizational, you know, like let's say a childcare center, like their score, right? They're rating for that facility. So it just, okay. it depends on lots of different things. <laughs> Right. So, okay. Really, that's helpful because what it tells me is as a professional, it's important for me to ask some questions, maybe to find out from my administrator what to expect, right? What will happen with my scores? What will I find out? How will there be follow-up so I can continue to grow based on what was observed in my classroom that day. So this is very comforting. (laughs) I now know that it's about being a proud professional, that I should be thinking about this in the broader context of my my role as a professional, my Mm -hmm. role as this person who's building the future in my classroom. These students are getting hopefully the most out of every day. And I'm not just preparing for a test when you show up, but you're going to be there for a little while and then it'll be done. And whatever happens, happens. I should just handle it the best way I can at that moment. And then I should find out from my administrator, maybe like, what will the follow-up be about that? Ooh, okay. This is helping. This is helping (laughs) to put everything into a nice little package for me. So what little takeaway would you want on this podcast this season? We're really focusing on, we hear a lot about teachers leaving right? And uh, we want to focus on the teachers who are staying and encourage that those teachers to stay. So at the end of each episode, I've been asking, you know, like what, if you had 30 seconds to encourage a teacher, what would you say? I would say that you are right where you're supposed to be, right? You're this professional. No one knows your classroom or your children any better than you do. You know all of their secrets, how to get to them, how to motivate them. And there's power in that, right? So you really drive what happens in that classroom. Remember that little people are very able and you can facilitate without dictating, right? And so sometimes we think because things have to go a certain way to be right, but they can't learn if they don't take on those things. So if it's September <laughs> and you're doing and you're still leading circle time, you don't need to. They can do it without you because you do it every day. They see you do it all the time. So give them those opportunities to lead so that way you don't have to do as much and you can lean and put your energy into other things that may need your more of your attention in the classroom. Trust yourself 
<laughs> to know that you know best, you know how to do this, you know how to teach, you can do it, and everything takes time to grow, right? So even the most effective teacher still has areas of improvement. We all have growing to do. There's never an end to the work that we do. As children develop, grow, learn, and what we know about them changes, grows, and learns, we are always evolving. And so you have to be comfortable with knowing that you're never going to be perfect, <laughs> but you are absolutely perfect for the students that you're taking care of. Like, right. So be easy on yourself, be gentle, be kind, <laughs> be yes. ready to learn and share that learning with your kids. It's a big job, but mm-hmm. that's very encouraging what you just said. So we'll definitely keep that in mind. Thank you so much for being here with us today and helping us understand what to expect and putting some of our nerves at ease about what this means. It was my pleasure. Ah, Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you, Kate. Oh, wow. How helpful and inspiring. So here are some big takeaways from the educator perspective. First, Business as usual is the name of the game during a class observation. And if I feel like I need to change things for the observer, then I probably need to rethink what business as usual really should be. Second, every interaction matters between each child and adult in my classroom. So are we making the most of each moment each day in my classroom? And lastly, everything takes time to grow. So I need to be kind to myself and trust myself. Thank you for listening today. And remember, until next time, take care of yourself and your team because what you do matters.